The Edge is copyright 2006 by Scott Wittenberg. To learn more about this and other novels by the author, please visit scottwittenberg.com. And be sure to check out The Mayday Murders, another free podcast currently available by Scott Wittenberg. Chapter 2 Ellen snapped the shutter for the last time. It had been an exhausting day, but at last everything seemed to be taking shape. She was sure that Cosmopolitan would be delighted with the results, even though the shooting had taken much longer than she had anticipated. Okay, I think that's it for today, gang. Let's go home, she said. Ted, her assistant, began breaking down the set as Max, the hair and makeup artist, collected his belongings. Ellen looked over at Natasha. God, is this girl ever beautiful, she thought to herself. Even without Max's expert touch, she was truly a sight to behold. Absolutely awesome. It was a shame that Natasha didn't have the brains to match her good looks, for she could surely go on to be an actress, instead of just being one of the highest-paid models in the business. On second thought, she wasn't doing too badly for herself, and was probably earning more than she ever could have imagined by simply being an airhead with good looks. Ellen wasn't doing too badly for herself, either. It was almost comical how quickly her career had accelerated, ever since she had decided that professional photography was her calling barely over two years ago. Of course, Uncle Stephen had had something to do with it, but she knew that she truly had the God-given gift for capturing the beautiful on film, and that was all that really mattered. Ellen herself could have been a model. She had, in fact, spent six months with Elite, just to please Uncle Stephen, who had insisted that she had the face and body that the glamour world was looking for. She didn't really think of herself as being beautiful, though. Her nose was more than slightly Roman, and her breasts were too small even under today's standards. Besides that, she had too much intelligence to be just another pretty face, and had an obsessive yearning to be successful on her own merit and skills. Sorry, Uncle Stephen, she had told him later, but modeling just isn't for me. During the cab ride home from her studio, Ellen started thinking about her life, as she always did at the end of an important shooting. She loved her work with a passion, and was without a doubt a workaholic. Whenever she wasn't photographing models for fashion magazines, she kept herself virtually locked up in the dark room at the studio, working on what she referred to as her pet project. Ever since she had gotten her first big break with Harper's Bazaar, she had gotten in the habit of taking long walks at night. She could still remember that glorious day when Uncle Stephen had called her up and told her that they had simply loved her portfolio and wanted to take her on as a freelancer. Although she had worked very hard on her portfolio and felt that it was promising, she was amazed at her good fortune. But her biggest source of elation had come from the fact that she had done it on her own, more or less, without the aid of her rich uncle. Sure, he played racquetball with Harper's editor every other Saturday afternoon, but it was her work that had landed her the job in a promising career. After hearing the good news, she had decided to take a walk that night. She could recall that night as if it were only yesterday. Ellen packed her Nikon and lenses into her camera bag and walked out of her Soho apartment into the crisp night air. She noticed a full moon over the World Trade Center and thought that it would make a great photograph if she could just get the proper angle and composition. She decided to move in closer to it and headed south on West Broadway. What a beautiful night, she had thought to herself. She loved New York and felt it was at its most enchanting at night, and tonight it was in all its glory. The traffic was relatively light, and people were milling around without the usual rush for a particular destination as during the daytime. 
Tourists were marveling at the quaint cafes and shops along the street. Ellen spotted a bag lady sitting against a signpost, and felt a surge of sadness. It seemed such a shame that someone could be so lonely and forsaken, while she herself was so happy tonight. She took a dollar bill from her purse and handed it to her. The old lady thrust the bill back into her hand, snapping, I don't want your goddamn money. Shocked and bewildered, Ellen sighed and crossed the street, shaking her head in disbelief. Just as she reached the other side of Reed Street, she looked up. Perfect, she exclaimed to herself. The moon was just between the two towers, and its light was glistening brightly along the sides. Excitedly, she took out her camera, selected the proper aperture, focused, and shot. Then she moved her right about five feet and released the shutter again. After several more various angles, she felt satisfied that at least two or three of the shots were just right. Ellen was very pleased with herself. She put her camera away, then headed east on Reed toward City Hall. Just as she approached Center Street, she was taken in by the elegant architecture of the old buildings. She suddenly realized that ever since moving to the city from New Rochelle, she had been totally unaware of all the beautiful things there were to photograph here. She hadn't seen the force for the trees, so to speak. She decided right then and there that she would begin photographing all the things she possibly could in New York that were otherwise taken for granted, or totally unnoticed, by her residents. She would even go out in the boroughs when she had the time, for there were surely great photos to be made out there as well. She would do it in her spare time, and maybe even eventually make a book from it. Excited at this prospect, she pulled out her camera and crossed the street. Here we are. That'll be 875, the cabbie barked. Ellen flinched as a reverie was shattered by the cab driver. She dug into her purse and found a ten, handed it to the driver, and stepped out onto the street. As she walked up the steps to her First Avenue apartment, Ellen realized that she was very tired. She decided that she would forget her walk tonight and try to relax for a change. She simply had to get some rest this weekend. She opened her apartment door, switched on the living room lights, and made her way to the kitchen. After fixing herself a strong gin and tonic, she re-entered the living room and sat down on the luxurious velvet sofa. The living room was tastefully furnished in Louis XIV antique furniture. Ellen had always had a fondness for old things, particularly restored antiques. The walls were painted warm white, and several of her favorite photographs adorned all but one of them. Each photograph was carefully illuminated by the track lights suspended from the ceiling. The entire floor was carpeted in thick white plush. Ellen took a long sip from her drink. How much better can life get, she mused. She had practically everything a career girl could want, and she was only twenty-five years old. It had all happened so fast that she had to keep pinching herself to be sure it wasn't a dream, and there was nothing but a rosy future ahead. As soon as she got paid for the Cosmo layouts, she would start looking for a townhouse a little closer to the studio. The Upper East Side was very chic and all, but just a little too drab for a young successful career girl like herself. And then there was the project. She really must start working harder on that. Tomorrow she would go for a walk no matter how tired she was. God, was she ever tired now. But that was a good sign. It meant she was keeping busy, which meant she was winning the battle. She was finally forgetting about David. She couldn't think about David. She needed another drink. She had been drinking an awful lot lately, she admitted, ever since that last night with David, as a matter of fact. What an ugly scene, she thought. 
She was sure that in time he'd get over her. So why did she feel so damned guilty? Why had it been so hard getting over this particular falling out with somebody? She'd never had any trouble before. David just hadn't understood that work was more important than anything else to her. He did his nine-to-five marketing job in Midtown, and that's about all there was to his career. So now he's all ready to settle down, get married, and make babies. Well, it just didn't work like that for her. Life was much too short to clown around with things like love and marriage and kids and suffocation. That's the word, she thought. I must be free to do my work. I don't need anyone around to suffocate me. I'm free. Having won this little debate with herself, as she always did, Ellen stood up and returned to the kitchen. She added another ice cube to her glass, then poured in a double jigger of gin along with a small amount of tonic water. Returning to the living room, she stopped at the stereo and started leafing through her record albums, neatly arranged in a rack on the floor beside the stereo. Her record collection was comprised mostly of classical recordings and old 60s rock and roll. Whimsically, she picked out Meet the Beatles and placed it on the turntable. She switched on the stereo and returned to the couch. As she listened to the beginning of It Won't Be Long, her childhood memories came back to her. She remembered how she had danced to this very song when she was just seven years old, and how Daddy had chuckled and told Mommy that his little girl would be the toast of Broadway when she got bigger. She had just blushed and ran over to him. Kissing him hard, she said, I'm going to make you very proud of me some day, Daddy. Her parents had always been so good to her, perhaps too good, she thought. She knew that they spoiled her rotten, and they had known it as well, but they didn't care. She was, after all, an only child and the most important thing in their otherwise rather stuffy lives. Her father had been an enormously successful stockbroker. She could remember the stories her mother used to tell her of how her daddy had struggled on Wall Street for years to get to where he was now. She would chuckle as she explained to little Ellen that they had actually used to live on the Lower East Side before they had purchased their beautiful waterside mansion in New Rochelle. Yes, she would proudly say, your father is a self-made man, and he never once wanted a penny from my side of the family. Her mother had come from a well-to-do Boston family. She had met her father in Central Park during one of her frequent trips to the city. She and her brother, Stephen, were very close to one another, and she had often visited him at his West 72nd Street apartment. Stephen was president of a large investment firm, and it was he who had introduced her mother to John in Central Park. It had been love at first sight, and they were married less than a year later. As John's career skyrocketed in the years that followed, they decided to have a child. Ellen was born on their fifth anniversary. Ellen now wondered if her father would be proud of her if he were still alive. As she considered her successful career, she felt certain that he would be. She was, after all, practically a household name in the world of fashion photography. Her work could be found in virtually all of the leading American fashion magazines, and many of the European ones as well. She had been labeled a sensation by several respected publications, and it was just a matter of time before the lucrative advertising world would be at her feet. Ellen rose from the couch and went over to the sliding glass doors that led to the balcony. Sliding one of the doors open, Ellen stepped out into the night air. Sixteen stories below her, she could see the traffic converging on First Avenue and hear the annoying yet oddly comforting sounds of the city. New York is crazy, she thought to herself. If her work didn't force her to live here, she would move to some place quieter. New England, perhaps. 
She'd love to have a seaside house on Cape Cod and be able to take walks on the beach every day. All things in time, she supposed. She would just have to keep working steadily for a few more years, then she would take a long break. She would fly to Boston, rent a car, and check out the real estate on the Cape. When she found something she liked, she would purchase it and go there whenever she felt like it. Just me and the beach, she smiled. It'll be beautiful. As she looked out the lights of the city, she began thinking of her childhood again. She could remember the weekend trips she and her father used to go on together. Sometimes the two would go to the city and wander the museums and art galleries. At night, he would take her to a Broadway show or a movie that she would insist on seeing. Then they would have dinner at some elegant restaurant, and as they talked by candlelight, Ellen would think of how lucky she was to have such a great father, and how she couldn't wait to grow up and marry someone just like him some day. Ellen's smile turned to a frown as she recalled the chain of events that led up to that traumatic day when the unthinkable happened. After the holidays, her parents had taken a vacation to Europe. For the first time in her life, Ellen had the whole house to herself and was excited at the prospect of being totally on her own for two whole weeks. The first week she spent in complete solitude, with the exception of going to school. She loved being alone in the big house and enjoyed the daily routine of coming home after school and preparing her own supper. She would get out her mother's cookbook of Italian cuisine and experiment with the various recipes every day. After eating, she would make coffee and sit in happy solitude on the couch in the den, drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes. Then she would bathe and either listen to music or watch TV in her terry cloth robe. Sometimes she had a few drinks, depending on her mood at the time. Tom, her boyfriend, called her every night and begged her to let him come over. Ellen kept telling him to wait until the weekend and that he could come over then. She needed this time to think, because she knew that he would probably stay over all night, and that would make it very difficult to avoid having sex with him under such close conditions. They had come so close before already that Ellen knew she would have to break down sooner or later. She had told herself that it would have to be under ideal conditions, so what could be better than in her own bed in her own house, she reasoned with herself. Finally, with a sly smile, Ellen made her decision. That weekend she would be deflowered. Tom arrived at nine o'clock on Friday night. Ellen was a little nervous as she began thinking of what was to happen that night, but Tom's own obvious nervousness made her feel a little calmer. She was surprised to see him so awkward as they drank their mixed drinks in the living room, and the tense atmosphere was almost unbearable. They both knew what was on the other's mind, and finally Ellen couldn't take the anxiety any longer. She suddenly jumped up from the couch and practically pulled him up the stairs to her bedroom. Later that night, as Tom slept soundly beside her, Ellen sat up in the bed, staring straight ahead into the darkness. She couldn't believe how disappointed she felt, and tried to understand why everyone made such a big fuss about sex. She hadn't even enjoyed it that much. Then she began wondering if there was something wrong with her. It had felt good at first, but now she felt incredibly unsatisfied. Tom had seemed to enjoy it, so why hadn't she? The whole affair perplexed her as she struggled to get to sleep. She felt considerable regret for letting herself be drawn into the situation in the first place. Finally, after hours of agonizing restlessness, she had drifted off to sleep. The next thing she was aware of was the doorbell ringing. She opened her eyes and saw Tom still sleeping beside her, then began to panic. Who could it be, she wondered. 
petrified, she started shaking Tom in an effort to wake him up. "'Tom, get up! There's someone at the door!' she exclaimed, her voice shaking. "'What? I said someone's at the door. You have to hide. Hurry!' Tom drowsily turned his head and looked at her in disbelief. "'Are you shitting me?' "'No. Now hurry up and get in the closet. I don't have the faintest idea who it is, but I'm going to have to go and see,' she cried hysterically. Fully awake now, Tom shot up, threw his pants on, and headed for the closet. Ellen ran over to where her robe was and hastily put it on, glancing at herself in the mirror before making her way down the stairs. Halfway down, the doorbell rang again. She reached the front door and opened it. "'Good morning, Ellen.' It was Uncle Stephen. His eyes were bloodshot, and he looked horrible. Something was terribly wrong. "'Hi, Uncle Stephen. Is anything wrong?' Ellen asked him. "'I'm afraid that I have some terrible news.' "'Do you mind if I come in?' he said weakly. "'I'm sorry. Please come in,' Ellen said. Her uncle entered, and Ellen closed the door behind him. Suddenly he embraced her and started weeping. "'Your mother and father are dead, Ellen. There was a plane crash in Germany. No survivors. I'm so sorry, honey.' Ellen couldn't speak. She held her uncle as tightly as she could. It just couldn't be so. She was just dreaming this. But it was true.' Suddenly she started crying. As she felt the tears running down her cheeks, she felt as if her whole life was being swept from under her. Mommy and Daddy. Dead. She burst into uncontrollable hysterical sobs. They stood there for several moments, just holding one another and crying. As Uncle Stephen lightly patted her back, Ellen began thinking of his own loss, and she started crying even harder. His sister. Her mother. And Daddy. Oh, sweet Jesus, how can it be? How can you do this to me? To us? Uncle Stephen consoled her with soft, unintelligible words. Ellen was suddenly barraged by a deep sense of guilt. This would have never happened if she hadn't slept with Tom. Now she was being punished for her sins. God, please let me die, she thought to herself. Bring Mommy and Daddy back and take me. I'm the sinner. I let them both down. Please kill me. Her guilt turned to anger. Anger at herself. She hated herself for ever being born. Slowly, she pulled herself away and faced Uncle Stephen. "'It's all my fault. I let them down,' she declared weakly. He looked at her, puzzled. "'Don't be silly, honey. It's not your fault. Right now there's a boy in my bedroom. I had sex with him last night. Now Mommy and Daddy are—' "'Now stop that right now,' he interjected. All of a sudden his eyes showed grave concern where the tears had been. "'You mustn't blame yourself.' This is very important, Ellen. I don't know why this had to happen, but you must understand that it had absolutely nothing to do with you. For some reason, the good Lord decided that it was their time. Now he must accept it and try to learn to live with it. Do you understand me, Ellen? It wasn't your fault. But I sinned, Uncle. Everybody sins, honey. I sin. Your parents have sinned. We all sin. We're only human. But God doesn't punish someone for somebody else's sins. Furthermore, it isn't our place to make that judgment. It's simply a ludicrous notion to think that your parents lost their lives just because you slept with a young man. Don't you see? And now you're only needlessly punishing yourself with guilt. Oh, Uncle Stephen, she cried, embracing him. Ellen started crying again and felt totally confused. All of a sudden, it dawned on her that she was all alone in the world except for him. She hugged him even tighter, as if to keep him from being taken away, too. Ellen returned to the living room and slid the door shut behind her. 
As she lit up a cigarette and sat down on the couch, she began thinking of all the things that had happened in her life since that tragic day. It seemed so long ago now, and she had since recovered from the tragedy. But had it not been for Uncle Stephen, she realized, she would have never survived the tremendous sense of loss she had felt. He had, by all rights, become her second father, and had somehow managed to encourage her through the rest of her senior year at high school. She had been very difficult at first, and the despondence and depression she had experienced had all but consumed her. But Uncle Stephen had gotten her to pull herself together through his love and unyielding patience. By graduation, Ellen was more or less confident that she could begin living a normal life again. Shortly after her graduation, Uncle Stephen had sold the big house in New Rochelle and invited her to move in with him at his Manhattan apartment. Ellen had already planned on enrolling at NYU in the fall, so it seemed only logical to move into the city. Besides, she was more than glad to leave New Rochelle with the nagging memories and wanted to look forward to the future. Although he was in his mid-forties at the time, Uncle Stephen had never married. After she had moved in with him, he would introduce Ellen to his girlfriends, all of them young and beautiful, and she soon realized why he wasn't in any hurry to get married. Why in the world would he want to ruin such a good thing? After a month or so of living with her uncle, Ellen began feeling a bit in the way and anxious to get out on her own. She began checking out the ads in the Times and The Voice for an apartment located fairly close to campus. In theory, money would have been no object, as she had inherited a sizable sum from her parents. However, she had decided to forsake the bulk of her inheritance for two reasons. One, she simply didn't feel right taking it. She felt guilty and knew that there were others less fortunate who needed it much more than she ever would. Two, she was bound and determined to make her own living by her own means, without anyone's financial aid. Her decision had been made long before the day came to settle her parents' estate. The lawyer had thought her insane when she told him that she wished to donate almost all of the money to a number of different charities. Uncle Stephen had just sat there and smiled, knowing that his niece was bound and determined to follow through with her decision. As it turned out, Ellen's only source of funds was to be the savings account her father had established for her when she was still in diapers, which had grown considerably over the years. Her college was already paid for by means of the trust fund he had set up for her at the age of thirteen. Everything else went to the needy and the poor. After weeks of searching, she finally found the apartment she was looking for in the Soho section of Manhattan. It had been considerably large by New York City standards, having two bedrooms and a master bath, a large living room, and a spacious kitchen. Once she had settled into her new home, she reveled in the fact that she was on her own at last, and totally free to begin living a new life. She spent that summer in relative isolation and had done a great deal of soul-searching. Although she hadn't yet decided what profession she wanted to pursue, she had made a pledge to herself that once she finally did make that decision, she would work as hard as she could at it. She wouldn't let life's little temptations interfere with her goals, and she needed only herself to be content. She felt that she owed that much to her father. Ellen drained the rest of her drink. As she recalled those four years she had spent at college, she realized what little good it had done her. Although she had majored in English and graduated summa cum laude, it had had little significance in what was later to be her career. After graduation, she had felt totally directionless and dismayed, yet to find her niche in life. She had all but run out of money and resisted the temptation to borrow from Uncle Stephen. She had, however, decided to heed his advice and get herself a job. It was then that she had started modeling for elite. 
She had enjoyed modeling at first, but eventually found herself wanting to be on the other side of the camera. She was fascinated by the photographers and the way they could make everything, including herself, seem so much bigger than life. One day, on impulse, she bought herself a camera and started bringing it along to her modeling sessions. At first, the photographers were a little annoyed at this restless model that kept asking questions like, What f-stop are you using on this shot? And, Are you using tungsten or daylight film? But eventually they would acknowledge her sincerity and succumb to her relentless questioning. One photographer in particular noticed her immense enthusiasm and offered her a job as an assistant. His name was Peter Johns, who is one of the most respected names in fashion photography. When he made the offer to Ellen, it had only taken her two seconds to accept. She gave her two-week notice to Elite and excitedly entered the world of professional photography. She had finally found her niche, and she was a natural. As she rose from the couch, Ellen had a smug grin on her face. She entered the kitchen and prepared another strong gin and tonic. She nearly drained all of the drink and could feel her head spinning euphorically as she returned to the living room. Pausing at one of the walls, where several of her photographs were displayed, she began scrutinizing each image with a critical eye. Flawless, she thought to herself. Simply flawless. It's no wonder why I've come such a long way in such a short time. Lord, you have been good to me. How many girls my age can truly say that they are totally on their own and this successful? How many live in a beautiful apartment like this that they can call their own? My sisters, you should be so lucky. Are you really happy being married to your miserable husbands with their miserable jobs? Don't you wish you would have held out for something like this? Are you really happy at all? She moved on to the next photograph and took a sip. Shaking her head slowly from side to side in admiration, she spoke out loud. I really do feel sorry for all of you hapless, pathetic souls. You've let your man convince you that his gender rules the world. You've believed him, and now look where you are. You're a faceless slave to his desires, and you play the role that you've been told you must play. You feed him, wash his clothes, bear his children, and grow old with him. You are set on a course for a life of utter uselessness, save for your service to him. And after you have run that course to its ultimate end, you will die unnoticed and unsatisfied. And unappreciated. Ellen moved to the last photograph, draining her glass. My heart really goes out to each and every one of you poor, stupid fools. With a smug grin on her face, Ellen headed back into the kitchen and made herself one last drink. The alcohol was beginning to take effect big time, and she was feeling quite inebriated. Thinking that a hot bath might perk her up a little, she strode through the living room to the bedroom, carrying her drink with her. The bedroom was large and also carpeted in white plush carpet. An elegant four-poster bed with a pink silk canopy sat in the far corner next to an antique dressing bureau. Ellen sauntered over to the television, turned it on, and made her way into the adjoining bathroom. She turned on the light and started the water running into the oval-shaped sunken tub. After sprinkling in some bubble bath crystals, she went over to the full-length mirror and stood before it. As she began unbuttoning her blouse, her eyes stared at her reflection with a look of calculated desire. She gently removed the blouse from her shoulders and let it drop to the floor, then unfastened her bra. She could feel herself breathing harder as she slid out of it and examined her breasts. As she took them in her hands and stroked them softly, she began thinking of all the men in her life and how meaningless they had been to her. Her hands glided down to her waist, 
and she gently pulled down her skirt. Then she removed her panties, and her fingers deftly caressed her thighs as she spread her long, slender legs. I suppose I am beautiful, she moaned softly to herself. It doesn't matter anyway. It's what's inside that counts. All I need is myself and my career. Just me. Ellen opened her eyes. She stared at herself in the mirror, and she all of a sudden looked ugly. For that brief moment, she hated the person she saw and quickly turned her head away, afraid to look any longer. She stepped over to the bathtub and gingerly lowered herself down into the hot, bubbly water. She began washing herself vigorously, as if to totally cleanse herself of all sins and to make herself new again. After she finished bathing, she felt remarkably refreshed. She no longer felt tired, and as she dressed, Ellen decided that she would take a walk after all. She hastily gathered up her old Nikon and a couple of lenses, along with some film, and placed them in her camera bag. After throwing on a light jacket, she made her way out the door.